Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rulur Tech Podcast. I am your host, Dan Cavallari, and I'm joined by Peter Stewart. Peter, how's it going over there? I'm good, thanks, Dan. It's a horrible day in England, and all I ever talk about is the weather, because I'm clearly like a retired old man. But um, yeah, yeah, it's truly grim. But other than that, life is yeah. good in the UK, more or yeah. less. It's funny, man. Here in Colorado, it's been you know 100 degrees every day for, for a week. And then today, when I talk to you, it's cool and raining. I think you have this London influence on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Peter, it's, it's great to see you again. I, you know, the last episode I kind of did a little bit solo. I was in uh, Kansas for Unbound Gravel, uh, had the lovely opportunity to record part of that podcast in the middle of nowhere, uh, staring out at green pastures. It was wonderful. Uh, and then, you know, chatted with uh, Alison Tetrick, which was a wonderful experience. Today, we're, we're taking a totally different tack here on our episode um there's there's news about and which is not unusual because the tour de france is rapidly approaching and this is a lot of where we see new gear and we see new tech being tested uh and and released and i think one of the big stories right now is that uh, shimano which seems to be due for a, a, a revamp of its top end dura ace uh, group set just based on its you know its history of of releasing new product um We've seen photos leaked and we've seen some patents about Shimano's uh, wireless system, uh, which is interesting because it's got wires. <laughs> so, you know, I think today would be a good time to talk about what what we have gleaned from the information that we've seen so far uh, about Shimano's new drivetrain system and what it could look like. We still don't know. Um, we've only seen patents. And, and I think one of the things I always warn people about with patents is that it's interesting to read into them, and it's interesting to see what the possibilities are, but a patent does not necessarily mean that product is going to come to market. Uh, so, Peter, I don't know what you've seen so far, but I've read a lot of patents uh, from for this, and there's a lot of iterations out there from Shimano about what this new drivetrain could look like. Um, so let's start there. What What have you seen, and what do you think this new drivetrain is going to look like? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I've not seen anything privileged, to be clear. All I've seen is the same as yeah. everyone else, cruising on sighting websites and seeing social media. But um, what, here, yeah. what it seems to be is like, you know, a hybrid setup to me where you've got partly wireless, part wired. Um, and I, I suppose to guess, complete guess, is that probably that's a consideration for potentially some of the software, but probably mainly for the battery, where I expect they want to have a solid battery unit that's connected by wires 
because you can just have a much greater charge. And I expect, mm-hmm. again, that's probably because historically Shimano has really focused on this really long battery life for the, for the DI2 series of group sets. You know, it's mm-hmm. effectively it can last the entire Tour de France. And if you've never ridden DI2, it, it's amazing how long it lasts. It's unbelievable. It's months yeah. and months and months. So uh, especially if you ride as frequently as me, which is, you know, not as, not as much as a pro cyclist. Um, mm-hmm. So I've seen that. And then beyond that, I think there's some interesting, so obviously credit where it's due. I think the bike radar guys and possibly cycling tips as well. I've seen some exclusive pictures from DSM mm-hmm. um, yep. of the new group set. And yeah, it's interesting because it, it's followed the same sort of trend as we've seen from Shimano in recent years where things get like a little, little bit sharper, and a little bit more jarring. And every time mm-hmm. I think, you know, people on social media say, this is so ugly. Why have they gone away from their beautiful crank sets? <laughs> but then after a while, you kind of get used to it and you think, actually, it does look better because yeah. they're slightly, maybe just slightly ahead of the design terms. And then naturally, I think people think the, the most innovative and advanced thing is the most attractive anyway. Um, right. So what I've seen is a more angular, kind of slightly more mountain bike looking group set in some places. Um, I mm-hmm. think there's a sign of the uh, mountain bike MT900 rotors, which is pretty mm-hmm. interesting. And I think that's already been, been used in the Tour de France. Um, so, you know, this stuff is out in the world. Team DSM, we've actually got a big feature with them coming out this week where we talk to the head mechanic and the head of R&D and they've really, I'm not sure how much I can say yet, but they, they've had a lot of opportunity to help Shimano road test this new group set. So it's no surprise that that's the bike that we've seen in the world. And I've got every confidence that most likely is some iteration prototype or maybe the final production sample of the new yeah. race. So, um, yeah, on the whole, it's kind of, it's kind of exciting, I think. And mm-hmm. yeah, to me, I think the major connection that is uh, a restriction is the wire that leads from the levers to the brain or the battery or the drailers themselves. So what I expect they've done is created satellite wireless kind of shifting from the lever, and then there's a brain potentially in the front derailleur or rear derailleur, and then those are individually powered or maybe even linked because it's not too problematic linking through the chain today um, right. to power both the front and rear derailleur. What's your take, Dan? <laughs> You know, it's it's interesting. I, I wrote a piece uh, about the patents that I had read, and there's a lot going on here. There's what I what I really like about this is that there seems to be a lot of options for wired systems, wireless systems. The derailleur seems very capable of either uh, the rear derailleur, anyway. So I, what I'm guessing here is there could be potential for a fully wireless uh, one by system. Um, based on the patents that I've seen and I'll get to that in a minute but I think the I think you're 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 spot on with the reasons that the the front and rear derailleur would be connected to directly to a battery I think it has to do with battery life and I think that's going to translate at some point to the gravel groups at GRX because you know when it comes to gravel those races are very long and so you want that battery life to be there and I think the best way to do that is to hardwire it um, road and, and exactly like you said, road riding. I mean, it's just you don't want to be charging your your uh, drivetrain every ride. And you know, one of the wonderful things about SRAM's ETAP access system is that those batteries are so easy to swap and, and all that. But the battery life on those is just not as good as DuraAce, uh, and it never has been, and it probably never will be, just because of the the nature of of it being wired, hardwired to a battery, which in in turn can be a larger battery. Um, but I also think there's a lot more going on um, based on the patents uh, for reasons, you know, the wires I think are there for a reason. Because, you know, to me, a wireless shifter transmitting to the derailleurs is not really 
that big of a deal at this point because you still have a hydraulic hose, right? So it's not like you can just pop the, the, the lever on and you're done. Um, so, you know, you still have something connecting those derailers or excuse me, those shifters to the frame and to the, you know, the components. Um, so I, I, to me, that indicates that Shimano has got something else in mind for this. Um, because Shimano doesn't do things just for the sake of doing them. And, and at this level, you know, if you think about a, a wireless shifter without wireless derailers, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? So that indicates to me that Shimano's got something else going on here, and they've got an eye on other wireless uh, components coming down the line. And that's why I say that it's possible that we'll see a one-by wireless, uh, because, you know, in that sense, wireless shifters make a whole lot of sense, right? You know, and then, then all you have to do is put that rear derailleur on, and it's just like SRAM's ETAP, right? Um, and I've seen in some of their patents, there's actually uh, some uh, iterations of this system where there is a battery integrated into the rear derailleur. So I think what we're seeing here is is options. I think Shimano's created a pretty clever system to have iterations uh, as things develop uh, that could accommodate any number of types of riders who want any number of types of system. If you want to prioritize battery life, you get that wired system, right? Um, but if you want ease of installation or if you're traveling a lot and you want to pop off that rear derailleur and pop it back on, maybe you get a full wireless system. So I think, I think Shimano is playing a very long game here. Um, that's my guess. Um, and again, yeah, like you, I don't have any privileged information here, so I'm totally guessing. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's an interesting guess, actually, because it might be that you've almost moved from the, the, the electronic versus mechanical option the next deviation will be wireless versus standard wired electric and mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if we just don't see a mechanical version of the new group set because uh i just i don't see it being that relevant in the high end of the market very few top end bikes don't have a di2 of some sort you know i think i mean I, have you seen many mechanical durious group sets here or there i generally expect you to top tier be of most models be di2 durious di2 ultegra and then you get into the mechanical ultegras or maybe the mechanical but you just don't see it that often really would you agree i yeah i haven't seen a mechanical Ace in a while i mean if we're talking about at the you know the racing levels no i mean i think everybody at this point is on di2 at those levels um you know out in the wild i i'm far more likely to see an ultegra mechanical set than i am Dura Ace. I mean, they're sure, sure they're certainly out there, um, but I don't think they're out there in numbers that would make sense for Shimano to continue to, you know, invest heavily in that. Um, so I think Di2 in that sense, you know, is the future for them. And you know, we're already seeing sort of that trickle down on the SRAM side, right? Like where they've they've brought their wireless system to to um, groups well below the Halo groups, and I think we're going to see that at Shimano too. Um, Cables are never going away, of course, but uh, but I think this is certainly the future. Um, yeah, I think. What, if, what else? Are, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say. I think the. I mean, I'm really excited about what this new Dura. I might add, actually, we don't know for sure there's going to be a new Dura SDI two. Strictly speaking, <laughs> it's just like sure, yeah. Right, right. But, but, but <laughs> as you explained, it makes sense than the you know the early thing. And just wanted to clarify, I do not know. I have no concrete information. There's any new Dura right. for my part, but, but nonetheless. Right. Um, but I think I think the thing that really excited me would be to see a 105 Di two and. I kind of think it's odd that that's not happened yet because it, it, uh, we've been saying for like about six, seven years, oh, this is the year 105 Di2. And I wonder whether right. a new a new top tier 
Jura Ace could facilitate that because suddenly if you have wired wireless kind of options, the the traditional normal DI2 could filter down to 105 when there's still mm-hmm. some exclusive technology in the top end for Jura Ace and Ontegra family. But um, yeah. that would be, yeah. I think, almost a more interesting development because then potentially you'd start seeing DI2 much more prevalent on bikes that are around two and a half, three thousand pounds, whereas at the moment right. it's just a bit difficult to justify. Um, but sorry, I digressed. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think if Shimano really wants to compete at this point with SRAM, and I, I, I can't imagine they don't want to, um, yeah, they're going to have to keep pace, which means bringing this technology to entry-level, mid-level bikes. Um, but also, I mean, don't forget that Shimano also has the GRX group set, which I think is another key uh, demographic for them. So I would actually expect to see translations from Dura-Ace to Altegra first and then from Dura-Ace to GRX next um, and then probably trickled down to 105. Um, you know, I think just just based on on the market share that Shimano has, I don't know that they are feeling an exceptional pressure um, to to go to 105, but I think they, they see the writing on the wall. I can't imagine they don't. Um, and I think we'll see that before too long. It's interesting what you say about the comparison with SRAM because I think I think I think you're right. It's I still think yeah technologically Shimano is probably well almost certainly superior. I know functionally they work better. I think technology is more advanced. They have more patents and things. But I think in recent years, the first time we've seen, I think maybe ten years ago, you'd expect Super Record EPS to be on the very finest bike in a range. Um, but now I think it's almost like, if I'm honest, Campaign Nano EPS is really more of a kind of wonderful cycling jewelry than it is kind of performance, really high end shifting. Um, it is also really good, but it's just, you know, exorbitantly expensive aftermarket. But now I think increasingly at the top end, I've seen, I've come to expect Axis Red ETAP as the go to choice for like your £12,000, £11,000 flagship bike. And that's something that I'd expect would make Shimano quite nervous because. Yeah, there's, there's an element that maybe SRAM has the most exciting new group set, which is why I don't expect they have to do something quite bold with Dura-Ace now to really reclaim that territory. I mean, I know Dura-Ace is the absolute range-leading best thing you can buy. All excellent points. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinoui, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it. So my name is Oren Peleg and I'm an investor in Lekka. Three things that really caught my eye. The first one is, is they're looking to change the insurance industry, which is a very large industry and I think needs change. The second thing is, is I'm deeply passionate about getting people onto wheel. We need to address our congestion and pollution crisis, and I believe that two wheels have a massive role to play in that. And the third thing is, I can see a growing trend around 
companies building on the strong communities that they have. And I think Lacquer's business model in the way they tap into the community of cyclists is something that's very much on trend at the moment. All right, we're back. Dan Cavallari and Peter Stewart, Rulure Magazine, Tech podcast. I, I think the, the competition between SRAM and Shimano is, is healthy and it's good for us, the consumers, uh, ultimately. And so, you know, but this is, again, I think one of the things to keep in mind here is that um, Shimano is, is fairly regular on its product cycles. And so they're always innovating something and they've kind of got it on a timetable. They know they're very calculating. They know when it's going to come out. Um, and so I'm, I'm actually fairly confident we are going to see this new group set this year. And if you see some of these spy shots, uh, a lot of the stuff is already branded, but it's, you know, blacked out with tape or scratched out. So I, I feel like they're pretty close already. Um, so, so I think we're going to see it. And I think that competition is good. Um, I don't know. I think one of the key differences between SRAM and Shimano in this sense is that Shimano has always sort of been in, in the sense, sort of competitors with Campagnolo. And so the the innovation has always taken place at the top and then come down, but only to like the mid-level, right? Um, whereas SRAM, I think, is being a little bit more democratic, you know, and they, they innovate at the top, but then you have seen sort of those steps down. Uh, so I think you can, as a consumer, say, well, I love Shimano, but SRAM is maybe, you know, more accessible to me uh, at a lower price point or whatever. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how how that sort of, battle evolves over time as this new group set comes out. But I think it's also worth noting, just looking at some of the spy shots that are out there, that a lot of things have kind of stayed the same. You know, Shimano's shifting layout has not changed. Um, I'm looking at the a photo of the levers here on cycling tips, and it's it's still the two paddle shift design. Um, the hood ergonomics are different. Uh, it looks like they protrude a little bit higher. They almost kind of look like a miniature version of the the SRAM red ETAP hood lever, or hoods. And there's some texturing on the hoods, which probably came over from GRX. Um, so that's that's largely the same, which to me indicates that uh, again, you know, one of the lovely things about SRAM's drivetrain or a group set is that there's only two shift paddles, one on each lever, and that simplifies things incredibly. So Shimano's sticking with the four paddle design. To me, that indicates a couple things. One, um, Shimano doesn't believe that the front derailleur is going to die anytime soon. But two, if it does, that those buttons are still going to be useful. Um, and that goes back to the patents uh, where there is a, uh, a third option for or like a remote uh, component. To me, that's the most obvious application for that would be a dropper post, um, whether that's on road or gravel or whatever. So still using those radio buttons on the shifter to control another wireless device. Do you see that being valuable on the roadside or do you think that's sort of more the gravel side? Yeah, and even on the gravel side, I'd question how valuable it would be for most gravel users. I mean, I think mm -hmm. maybe you, you know, huck the gnar in Colorado. <laughs> but in the UK, like more or less, I mean, I think maybe, I'm sure the, the trails are certainly here. We have a lot of good mountain bike trails, but the kind of gravel riding we traditionally do is like on bridleways and quite, simple trails really and while descending sometimes a dropper helps the stability i think it's kind of few and far between you haven't got a long range in a sense where you really need to lower that center of gravity like the fire roads of colorado i think i really appreciate those extra few inches but 
Um, mm. Yeah, I just I don't really get the sense that that fits even the gravel sector here. And then for road, it's a lot of weight to add just to potentially descend a little bit quicker on the road. So I think that's where Nibali used it, didn't he, in three or four years mm. ago. And that was only the one tour that I think he ever used drop post for that reason yeah. to increase his descending speed. So, yeah, it does seem a bit extraneous and it's a, a lot of extra mechanical stuff to introduce. But it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's interesting to, to, mm-hmm. to, to think that way. I mean, the other, the other wireless thing, I know you probably may, maybe were planning to come to this later, so I don't want to ruin the structure here, but the um, <laughs> obviously this other patent that we saw a few weeks ago that everyone got very excited about, which was the ABS yeah. kind of, you know, electronic um, wireless braking system that was patented. Yeah. Um, right. And again, my guess, is, and you'd probably know more than this, but I'm supposing that's one of those things in patents where it's potentially something they've seen much further on the line with, with that being maybe incrementally begun with a modular system that we might see here yeah. where it can be linked into other wireless bits. And they think maybe mm-hmm. five years from now, it's a possibility that you could have wireless braking systems, which again, I fit, at first I was like, that's horrific. There's no way you could do that. But then um, <laughs> I think I was talking to a friend and uh, Stu Bowers, in fact, who now works for SRAM. And um, he made the point that F1 cars, m- many of them have no physical connection between the brake and the actual brake pedal. So, you know, they're mm-hmm. managing to wirelessly brake. So I, I guess on bicycles, it's not inconceivable that it would be a, a functional system that would actually be pretty safe. Yeah. And obviously we have right. mechanical failures of brakes as well. So, but um, yeah. that's getting a bit further on to the next kind of level of debate. But yeah, I just I think the whole thing's interesting. It, I could imagine that maybe Shimano if they are going down this road thinking about wireless, they have maybe got an entire suite of wireless components that are already imagining will be plugged in together and work holistically in this Dura-Ace wireless family. Yeah, and, and as far as the, the wireless brakes go, um, personally, and I'm going to say this, I'll put myself out there, I'll, I'll, I'll make this uh, this leap, I think there's almost a 0% chance we'll see that this year. Um, yeah, no, I agree. This year, yeah, no, I, I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, I, 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 I don't I, believe I, it, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, again, Shimano files a lot of patents. Um, and I think that sort of patent filing to me indicates that it's something that they are experimenting with and have probably developed a system for. Um, but that could be years down the line at this point for something that's reliable enough to actually use on a, on a bike. Um, and we may, we, may, we may never see it at all. I mean, Shimano may develop it and say, you know what, this just isn't viable um, for bicycles, you know, but they have the patent in case it is. And so, and that's, that's a lot of the reasons why patents exist, right? Like, the, you know, people will patent things to protect that property in case, in case, just in case. Um, and I think that might be the case here with this, this braking system. Um, but, I, you know, it's not inconceivable to me either that we could have wireless uh, breaking at some point, which again, you know, think about the fact that Shimano has now created wireless, or we think they have wireless uh, shifter brake lever combos, right? Um, what if down the line those were already set up to work with the this braking system that they've already developed? You know, so the potential is there, which I think is cool. Uh, but I think in terms of what we'll actually see uh, with with this new group set that seems to be out in the wild already. I don't think that's going to factor in this year. Um, but I think there's also some other cool uh, things here. And, and going back to the buttons, um, one of the things that that I noticed in one of the patents was that the wires uh, between the derailers, they can also uh, send data. So not just power, 
to the, the derailers, they can also transfer data. Um, so to me, that indicates that there might be something a little higher level in terms of the data acquisition uh, on the system. So there might be integration between, say, those derailers and a wireless uh, head unit. Um, and, and there is, in, in a lot of these uh, patents, there's a wireless uh, transceiver or receiver in the derailleur. So, you know, it's, it's entirely possible that these uh, systems can send more data in real time to your head unit. I mean, that might be something we see too. Uh, sort of a less, you know, <laughs> glamorous, I guess, aspect of this, but for data nerds and for, especially for World Tour pros who need that sort of data in real time, this could be quite big. What information do you think just shifting data things like that, what, what would you expect to be sent through that? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there could be data that could be sent back to the team car, for example, about uh, which gears uh, the rider is most efficient in or, you know, um, how many shifts that, that rider has done and, uh, you know, how many shifts are left in the, the battery life. Um, I, I mean, there's any number of things that, that it could be. I mean, you never know. There could be some sort of, I don't know, power data component to this. Um you know, we, we don't know, uh, but I think the capability is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, the thing that kind of jogged my memory of talking about all that information and to wireless head units is, and again, I'm not, I, I don't think this would be something that we'd see this year, but maybe again, the beginning of the, beginning of the journey there, which is that, um, you know, I think maybe four years ago, we start to see a lot more automated shifting systems that were like third-party add-ons. So we saw that from, I think there's BioShift and ProShift, and these were like head unit things that would collect data and start the shift automatically. And that technology is currently being used, in, well, not, not BioShift, but Shimano does use automated shifting in its Nexus group set, I believe, the, the DIT version of that. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested to know whether this could have some more functionality. Because at the moment, I think a lot of that data is collected by a third-party unit. But if, if, Garmin, if Shimano were able to collect shifting data themselves and then use that to begin to do some intelligent shifting assistance for riders, that would be a really interesting direction and something I think would potentially interest them as a company. Um, obviously, it's slightly different because the top-end Nexus is very much people that are pretty new to cycling or don't cycle that much. Top-end Jurassic is a very confident, you know, people that obviously shift and know how to shift. But at the same time, I think the BioShift system, from my recollection of it, some time trialists and stuff would use it, and they're saying that they're getting more efficiency because that intelligent shift was really taking advantage of their optimum cadence without them realizing and the sense they're actually feeling uncomfortable, but it was because they were able to deliver more power with automatically shifting, which is interesting. But I, I, again, this is something I'd be very surprised if we saw it this year, but it could be something that begins to be made more possible with the new Jurex. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, for certain users, that makes a lot of sense. Time trial, like you said, I think is the most obvious application uh, for a high-end group set like this that would have that automatic gear shifting. Um, so, you know, that data could be more refined with, with this, this sort of data acquisition. But I think it's important to note that a lot of brands, not just Shimano, in recent years have done a lot to sort of bring in uh, all of the parameters of, its, of their systems. Like, you know, with Shimano, it's always about integration, 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 because as you integrate, as you create more of those components in-house and control that data in-house, the more control you have over efficiency and uh, performance. And so, you know, Shimano, gosh, I mean, Shimano has been doing that for, for decades. So to me, it makes a whole lot of sense to 
you know, bring in a power meter and bring in data acquisition from the, the derailers themselves and bring it to a head unit that's yours. I mean, the whole thing, because you control all the X factors, you control all the parameters, you're not bound by somebody else's system. So to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm making a leap here. I don't know any of this for sure. Uh, I could be, I could be, you know, outpacing the engineers here a little bit. <laughs> yeah, be um, fending off a job from Shimano's engineering department after this podcast goes live. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, uh, I don't know how to do any of this, but here's what I think we should do. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. One thing I think maybe is more concrete and very likely, which you might mention earlier on, um, is this cross compatibility with some of the gravel or even mountain bike group sets, which seems, yeah. you know, since the direct mount came in. The, the group has been making more and more like XDR anyway. And um, yeah. I think at a certain point, I mean, we've seen it with the SRAM mullet group set where you have a rear eagle derailleur attached to mm-hmm. red levers. And I think it personally, it doesn't seem very Shimano to me to be mixing, matching. They're not really into the, 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 the kind of mullet setup. But I think it'd be really right. cool if you could slap a, um, a, a XDR derailleur onto a dual race group set. And for gravel applications, that'd be awesome. And obviously it does happen a little bit, already happens in the past with some gravel group sets, but if that was made even smoother and even better, and it was just like, you mm-hmm. know, modular switches, I think that'd be a really cool step yeah. forward for them. I think, I think you're onto something because, uh, it, it looks like from the photos that the, the, the new derailleur is a longer cage than the previous one. And it's also worth noting that Shimano appears to be going 12 speed, but, uh, hasn't gone to a, a 10 tooth small cog like SRAM has. So, uh, we might even see them stick with the same driver, um, not going to micro spline or anything like that. So that would encourage more compatibility between groups. Um, and also there seems to be some really, and, and hat tip here to James Wong at cycling tips. Uh, he noticed that there seems to be some really minor changes to the chain itself, which could indicate that there's some compatibility, uh, potential here between groups, uh, and derailers and, and all that. Um, that's a possibility. And I will say this, um, you know, the mullet setup, as you mentioned from SRAM, which came about largely because of gravel and adventure riding and things like that, uh, at unbound gravel, I saw a fair few, uh, riders who would have, you know, a GRX rear derailleur, but with, Dura Ace or Altegra Crank and Altegra Shifters. Um, Amity Rockwell, for example, said she likes the ergonomics of the Altegra Shifters more than the GRX Shifters, so she was using that with a GRX rear derailleur. So there is already some mixing and matching going on, and I think that is sort of a natural inclination for a lot of riders. Um, so for Shimano to offer that, it, it's it's only going to benefit them and, and encourage people to use their system. So you know, maybe, maybe we'll see that too. That could be very well in the works. At any rate, it's, it's exciting to see what might happen. And, uh, I think yeah, yeah, completely, I completely forgot to mention it's 12 speed. That's crazy. That's a, yeah. you know, the biggest thing. <laughs> we, we take it but, for granted at this point. <laughs> yeah. It just seems inevitable, but yeah, yeah I think the 12 yeah. speed shift, I mean, yeah, I think, I think I was real skeptic about that, but I think it's worked really yeah. well for SRAM access. And I think it is really nice. And I think yeah. probably what it will mean, I expect is in the pro ranks, we'll see a natural, shift as you've suggested with longer cage to riding 10 28 or 11 28 mm-hmm. rather rather than 11 25 that 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 kind of tightness of cassette will no longer be necessary if there's a 12th sprocket um right. and then suddenly it'll be easy to do yeah 11 26 11 28 and that'll probably be a much right. better experience for them having to do yeah having more right. range ultimately 
Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of any other changes, uh, it, it looks like perhaps a dual sided power meter is in the works here. Uh, the rotors, we haven't really seen an update to those, so I don't know what's happening there. Um, and you know, there's new wheels out uh, everywhere. So we'll see if, if that's part of the package too, a redesigned or ace wheel. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, that, that seems to be the story right now for the new, uh, Dura Ace. Uh, I mean, we could talk about aesthetics, of course, <laughs> which, uh, as you mentioned before we started recording, seems to be a little bit more angular. Um, definitely a, a departure from the smooth lines that we've seen in the past from Dura Ace. Uh, what do you think of it? Do you like it? Uh, I think, yeah, saying that, I think I, I, I think it looks quite jarring and angular and edgy. And I think mm -hmm. most people will think it looks a bit uglier for that reason. But as we saw with the last yeah. Dura Ace, after six months, everyone thinks it's the best looking thing because it's Dura Ace and because it's probably yeah. technically better. And I think that governs people's tastes. So yeah. I, I think it does look pretty good, actually. I think I'm kind of excited from the way it looks. Um, but I, th I think a lot of people, I mean, yeah, we all miss the old kind of, it, it was it was five arm, wasn't it? The BCD that was the Dura Ace mm -hmm. two generations ago. And I think that was really beautiful with its kind of like, yeah, chrome metal finish. Um, yeah, but then I, I do think the, new, the newer Dura Ace, for it does it better ultimately it's yeah. it's, a, it's a better system and it, it, it yeah. looks more impressive and smoother so yeah i think it looks pretty neat it's taken the best elements of the old group set and probably yeah introduced a few new interesting aesthetic elements and yeah. i think it'll look cool and I, I expect we'll see it become like the you know the fashionable choice you know on people's yeah. s-work tarmac bikes because actually right, it does match right. the s-work tarmac pretty well that actually is going to look really natural yeah. on that on that bike yeah. so it'd be interesting to see yeah I, I like the look of the rear derailleur. I think that angular look is cool. And, you know, one of the things about new aesthetics is we always look at them and say, ooh, you know, that's our initial reaction. But then now looking back at that Dura Ace that you were just talking about with the silver finish, it looks beautiful, but like, man, that's so long ago. It looks yeah. so dated. Blah, Tasted, you know, yeah. so we, we adjust. Um, and I, I'm actually really excited for these uh, the redesigned brake hoods. Um, I, I liked the, the old... Dura Ace Di2 uh, hoods. They're very small, though. And one of the things that I, I started to learn as I rode ETAP Axis more was those bigger hoods are actually really good for ergonomics. Uh, and, it, and it offers a lot better stability uh, in your hand position. So I'm, I'm interested to see, because it looks to me like these protrude more than, than the, the current Dura Ace ones, but they don't, they don't, I don't think they go up as steeply or sharply or as far as SRAMs. So it'll be interesting to see what the ergonomics are there are like in that sense. I'm pretty excited for that. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, if, if we're going to see this this year, uh, I think there's a lot of potential here and I can't wait to find out what exactly Shimano is up to with this because I just see so much potential for so many things. Um, <laughs> but the question is, will we see it? When will we see it? I mean, <laughs> we still don't know. And with the global bike supply, if we might see it, but it might not be commercially available for another six months, which would be frustrating for people. Right. So I would say that's optimistic, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think yeah. I think one thing that'd be really interesting that, again, amongst all my, you've had great, a lot of really good information here, and I just speculated about random things like wireless brakes. But <laughs> I think I'll add this, that, that, you know, people forget that cycling model years for bikes effectively evolved because of Shimano to keep up to date with, Shimano's new group sets since like the yeah. mid 2000s, I guess, is when that kind of become more standard. And mm -hmm. I think when these developments come along, they do lead to new and interesting bikes. I think certainly if this is a wireless component, I think a few years down the line, bikes will look quite different 
to the trained eye as a result of this group set, which I think is quite exciting. I agree. I agree entirely. And I would say to those of you listening, uh, we are mere days away from the start of the Tour de France. So we're going to see, a, I think, a slew of of new bikes, new gear. Uh, so it's an exciting time uh, to be to be paying close attention to, to bikes right now. Uh, so keep an eye out. I mean, let us know if you see anything out there floating in the wild. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us with your thoughts on uh, the, the information that's out there, if you think we missed something or totally misinterpreted something, we'd love to be told we're, we're completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> so you can reach me on the social media at Brown Tie Dan. And of course, you can get Ruler Magazine at Ruler Magazine. Peter, can they reach you on the social medias? Yeah, I'm at Peter Stewart 3, S T U A R T. Three, digit three on every platform and that's because i'm evidently the third best Pete, peter stewart <laughs> there's two other peter stewarts at the uh, ruler who are clearly <laughs> <Yeah>. better than you <laughs> precisely yeah. so much confusion in the office as a result <laughs> yeah peter stewart three yeah uh, well cool thank thank you all for listening and like i said if you have questions comments uh and if you, honestly if you have uh, recommendations for topics you'd like us to cover on a future episode we'd love to hear that so don't hesitate to reach out peter anything you want to you want to shout at people before we sign off for the day um i just like to remind people that we're going to be doing a lot of coverage around the tour de france tech and racing and we'll be delivering a daily newsletter so keep your eyes out for that there'll be lots of places to sign up for that and make sure you visit ruler.cc and also i can't, I shouldn't, I can't forget we have the tour de france issue and that's an amazing issue actually i'm really excited about how great that is and so please go to ruler.cc and check out either subscribing to get the issue free or buying an issue it's an absolute stormer it's a fantastic issue Awesome. Thanks, Peter. And uh, to all of you listening, you all have a wonderful day and make sure you get out there and ride, even if the weather is very London-like here in Colorado <laughs> and, and shockingly London-like in London. Peter, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Dan. We'll talk next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.